Cycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny and a little bit smoky Santa Cruz, California. That's right. The fires are back. We're living in the smoke, but um, it's been nice. It's been really nice and been getting out and getting rides. Um, I think we're going to get a ride report from Miss Emma later. Uh, yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of yeah, stuff, we and we got some special guests with us tonight. So let's get to who is with us on the call. Hey, everyone! This is Liza, and I am six feet tall. That will be relevant yeah. later. Just so you know, you're more. You're like six five. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I project my voice, Jim. You're right. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, what's, what's That's what it is. Reach advantage over most people. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be relevant. Um, be a good, yeah. And joining us from sunny Marina, California, it's Miss Emma. Aloha, darlings. It is I, Miss Emma, and I love you all. I am five feet nine. However, I am seldom without my heels on, so I'm six feet tall. <laughs> I gotta yeah, say, yeah. that tube top is not low enough. You know what I'm saying? What? Better? <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, it's like your OnlyFans page. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> no, Knox. All right. <laughs> next, watch me. next up, coming to us from his backyard shed, it's Naked Jim. Hey, California dreaming. Life's good. <laughs> no complaints. Let's see. Uh, let's go. Also, dreaming of California because he's not there. It's Bagel. Hello, hello, hello. From my cavernous, cavernous, cavernous shop, 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 shop. <laughs> and if only people could see the video, he's in his giant empty shop in his new house, which has a urinal. That's yep. right. It, I tell you what it looks like. It looks like a high school gymnasium. It does. <laughs> kind of. Do you have that it's board in the back with the holes and you got to climb the pegs? Yeah, yep. it's that. It looks like an um, um, vision bagels. quest. So what town do you live in now, if you're adoring fans? I am in the town of Veneta, Oregon, <clears throat> which is uh, also the home... Vag Vagina, Oregon? Veneta. <laughs> oh, sorry. Close it's enough. an Indian word. Yes, it, it's, Native it's, American. Actually, it's a name. Um, but it's a... It's, uh, a it's Native American name for biscuits no no it was the it was the, the the name of the the daughter of one of the people who founded the city so oh fantastic but uh, it is the home to the oregon country fair every summer ah, oh until this summer that is nice uh, we're hoping it will be back on again next year uh once things are hopefully better we'll see Will you be wearing a straw hat and chewing on a blade of hay in your dungarees that may be possible Okay, very good. good. No. You, you got to have to grow a whole bunch of weed. Feeding <laughs> that pimping ass beard, bro. You got to get that pimping beard going again. That'll be awesome. There will, there will be times coming. Okay, let's keep on because we're still on introductions. Yeah, looking no, looking snazzy. No longer with the COVID hair. It's knock. 
Hey, how you guys doing? Hey. Hey, nice to meet everybody. And then we we got a couple special guests. Let's see. Uh, I think these are, are you both Canadians? Are you land, from the land of Canada? Nope. All right. No, he's American. USA. I'm Canadian. All right. I'm from so we near got Green Bay, but I used to live in California. Oh, that's practically Canada. All right. And so New Zealand. Is it yeah, next to Ohio? Yeah, coming to us all the way from over there. It's Randy. Hi, you guys. Hey. I used to Hello, be Randy. I used to be six foot two, uh, but at my last physical, <laughs> I uh, am only six feet now. So gravity is taking a toll on taking me. I guess toll. All right, and then joining us all the way from the land of Canada, you can tell from his accent, eh? It's Peter. Hey. Hi, everybody. <laughs> nice hey. to be here. We got hey. some good radio uh, it's voices. Not the great, it's not the Great White North yet, but it's coming. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> hey, everyone. Um, yeah, we had a. Great day in the garage today, didn't we, Emma? Oh, cool, blimey, didn't we? We had a lot of visitors. Uh, we gave away some gear. We had a couple who came and uh, got a lot of gear. Uh, we helped people fix some bikes. Uh, Henry showed up with a new bike. That nice. happens like every week. Some, hard, baby. some misfits are buying a new bike. Um, <clears throat> just a really good day, wouldn't you say? Well, you heard... Your little KZ400's voice for the first time. Yeah, you know what? And it went like this. Uh, Emma, you know, uh, I've been working on the electrical, and I put on new coils and condenser and did all this stuff, and there's, like, no spark. Nothing's happening. So she turns the key on, gives it one kick, and it started up. I'm like, really? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's the Emma Magic Hands. We're not out of the woods yet. Um it's got a very intermittent spark and the sparks kind of jumping left to right and sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not so we have to do a bit more digging but boy that engine sounds meaty for a little 400 they are such a great little bike yeah you know uh, i'm looking forward to having the long haul uh you know getting that bike just really taking care of it and making it nice but yeah but that really made it that made my day is actually hearing its voice. And I knew it was going to sound good because I've heard them in the past. Mm-hmm. Is it a but, parallel twin? Yeah, a little parallel twin. Yeah. 400cc this. It's a single overhead cam. Nothing special about that engine at all. Aside yeah. from the fact that it's... I think the correct the, the current term, knock is it is small. <laughs> How long was it dormant? How long yes. was it dormant? Decades. Oh, God, 30 years plus. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it just one cylinder all the time? Um, no, it kind of switches in and out. And um, it's coil problems. And the trouble is the coil is spanking new. But, you know, some of these coils are kind of hokey. I'm Must be made in around. China. Right. Yes. <clears throat> yes. Is that a good coilizer? Did you get it for, for three ninety five? No, but the problem is when you buy from a better source, you pay three times the amount of money for the exact same product. So I'm not sure. I paid enough that I felt like I wasn't buying the cheap thing. It doesn't mean I didn't get the cheap thing. You're just right. telling yourself yep. lies, man. Just get the good No, one. she knows. I got it from a source that I've been using yeah, uh, for I mean- years called Parts and More. Uh, if you have a vintage Japanese bike, great website to use, mm. Parts and the letter N more, they've helped me out a lot looking for parts. Yeah. And um, they've done really well in the past, but you know, it seems to be, 
heading towards that. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can ferret out a coil from somewhere, you know, a genuine used coil, and we can play around with that and see if we can get somewhere. But New old stock. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's the idea. That's right. Well, even, That's my even favorite. If it, even if it's new old stock, though, those will degrade with time, won't they? Well, there's oil in them. So right. the, the oil can kind of congeal a little bit but it doesn't actually change the connections the oil's just there to cool the internal so they don't overheat so the worst case scenarios the coil will run a little bit hot for a while and in really really bad case scenarios they'll crack the actual mm. outer insulation will crack but you know coils a coil a coil a coil it's a coil <laughs> emma um, I, I have a request Yes, darling. And this is for our listeners out there who appreciate good audio. Your earring is tapping on your microphone, so people I've may be hearing that rattling I'm sound. Doing, and, the, and they'll think the it's 19... just your, your brain rattling around. I'm, <laughs> I'm doing the 1960s secretary thing, where you take <laughs> off one earring. Hi. Hello. Oh, hi. No, hi. No. I've, got, I've got the senator on line oh. one. <laughs> All right, patch me through. All right. <laughs> so, um, you know what? I love a good story. And with the Misfits, oh God, yeah. um, I think most of our best stories start with, so I was lathering knock up. <laughs> right? That's usually that's our better stories. Are usually it's, it's not even Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> um so when when Randy sent me an email with a great story, I just was like, ah oh, yeah, I wanna I wanna I wanna hear this story. Um and this is all right, there's a couple levels deep. This is kind of like inception. We're gonna go a couple levels deep. Um Randy, let's start with um you have known Peter for some time, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, a few years. Yeah, yeah, a few years, yeah, about three, few four, years. five years. But there was something, something like about it. him you didn't know that you found out not too long ago, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, by, we by coincidence. We got, yes, by coincidence, <laughs> our wives uh, know each other, Janet and uh, Karen, my wife, and uh, Peter. Uh, what, he, Here's, it's 54 years later. The story has been revitalized 54 years later. By Randy. Out of Mexico in a town called Manzanillo. It's on the Pacific coast south of Puerto Vallarta by about 125 miles. And uh, Peter. At my yearly plays, Christmas party. That's right. Peter plays uh, Santa Claus every year and um, my wife and I and a host of other people are, San are Santa's helpers. And, uh, and we go out to the small communities and we hand out gifts and treats to all the kids uh, in the communities. And then after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, Peter and his wife, Janet, throw this great party at their beautiful home in Manzanillo. So we're there and we're getting, you know. Nobody's drinking. We were, yeah, you know, nope, mezcal, nope. tequila, absolutely. And then, and then, of course, uh, there was a small group of us uh, by the pool, and uh, we're showing baby pictures of our motorcycles and sharing a few stories. <laughs> Peter came walking by just as I was showing that picture of my Yamaha Twin Jet 100, recently acquired about three or four years ago, uh, and it's in mint condition. I showed it to Peter. He goes, oh, my God, I had one just like that. He <laughs> says, and I wrote it from was it quebec all the way to from, from quebec to la 
Come back, back to, to L.A. Yeah. And I said, I scratched my head. Now, wait a minute. When when did you do that? He goes, I was back in 1966. Did you get that published? <laughs> was that published somewhere? Was that in a magazine? Because it was all starting to come back to me now. And he goes, yes, it was published in a magazine. It was in Yamaha World, and it was in Cycle Guide Magazine. I'm like, I can't believe it. I was 13 or 14 years old at that time. I had a little yeah. Yamaha 60. There's the cover of the magazine right there. Yeah. And uh, it just blew me away and cycle guide printed it cycle guide was one of the top three motorcycle magazines back in the day there was cycle world cycle uh yeah cycle world cycle and cycle guide magazine and, but i think uh, cycle guide had just started and that yeah in 1960 yeah. 1967 or something like that 66. yeah bob bob braverman uh, was the editor there and uh, he was a great uh, motorcycle guy. We, because the story is in volume uh, volume one, number five. So. Oh my! And I, th you're so miss. There was one other magazine. I think wasn't it called Jugs? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not sure yes. that was one of the preeminent motorcycle magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Jugs. Uh, Absolutely. And so, they weren't talking about cylinders. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I'm pretty convinced that this was the guy in the story and uh my wife and i got home that night and you know as fate would have it i've got the article on my lap no no we, we also chatted about it to yep to, to tell you that yes it was me <laughs> and we, we we couldn't believe it i mean 54 years later and how many thousands of miles away from home we hook yeah. up over this story having uh, our, our 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 tequila our, our mezcal our wines and and what have you and uh, <laughs> the stories and the laughs just poured out and um that kind of brings us to uh what happened uh with with peter who was i think you at the time were 16 or 17 i was 17 and a half years old but uh, right. i had wanted to do this for the for a whole year prior to that and knock did you have a question Oh, no, there was a little bit of a line buzz. Can you hear that? Yeah, I can. Uh, I'm not sure where it's coming from. Um, I think that that's fascinating, though, that, that you read the story, Randy, when you were 14 and you remembered it, and then all the years later to meet him. And before we get into the story of this epic journey, Emma, can you describe, for those who don't know what a Yamaha Twinjet is, can you describe okay. it? So a Yamaha Twinjet was a very, very early... I think, I'm pretty sure it was one of Yamaha's first twin-cylinder bikes. It's 100cc, electric mm -hmm. start, and just diminutive. It is moped small. Um, <laughs> very, it's, it's actually, it's a very prized bike among collectors now. It's got the classic 60s Japanese styling. Painted gas tank with chrome sides, rubber knee lots grips. Lots of chrome. Lots of chrome everywhere. These gorgeous little twin mufflers, one on either side. Just a pretty little bike, but little. And I, I can't stress <laughs> that enough. It's like a motorbike that's in half scale. I think that's that's an accurate description. Yeah, and it was the kind of a motorcycle where guys our age, you know, uh, early teens to <clears> early 20s, uh, we lusted after that motorcycle. Because uh, everything else was a single, and yeah. here was a twin. This that's was right. A twin. 
That's why I bought package. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it had and, that electric <clears throat> start as well, which is great. An electric start twin cylinder. I mean, this is exotic stuff. And, and, and how many have to mix this? You didn't have to mix the uh, oil with the gas. It had the uh, the tank. You just fill oh, up the tank with oil. Oh, wow. No, it's injection. Oil injection. Nice. Oil injection. Nice. It's like, wow. And how many yeah. cc's was it again? 100 cc's. Wow. 9.9 yes. horsepower. 9.8 horsepower. <laughs> oh, man. Tiny, tiny pistons. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so there's, there's, first off, there's so many issues with this story. First of all, this is such a tiny bike. Who in their right mind would decide to go cross country into another country? Uh, second of all, why did your parents let you do this at the age of 17? <laughs> and third of all, who, what 17 year old can afford to buy a brand new bike? I couldn't afford to buy it. I had to get it on finance. My dad <laughs> went, to, went to the finance company and he signed for me. He says, don't worry, dad, I'll take care of it. I'll pay for it every month. Well, I paid one or two months and that was the end of it. And <laughs> oh, no. poor old dad had to pay off the, uh, the balance. Okay. Is that why you so that's country? that's why they, they let you leave. The Maybe you States. won't come back. <laughs> we won't yeah, have to pay. Back then, the bike was four hundred and ninety-five dollars. The one I really wanted was the uh, the Honda Dream, but they uh, were like I think one hundred and fifty dollars more. Yeah, that's a big jump. That's a big that's a big jump. I couldn't afford that. I couldn't even afford the four ninety-five because we had to get it financed. How did you convince so, your parents to let you go? Uh this goes back a little bit. We. <laughs> My brother is kind of an adventurous soul also. He's six years older than me. And from basically the age of 18, he would just take off. And we're, we're talking leaving Montreal. And he'd just go hitchhike. He'd hitchhike to California. <laughs> he'd hitchhike to Mexico. He'd just <clears throat> go away with no money. And I kind of followed through. And one of the earlier stories, I was 15 years old. That was uh, New York World's Fair was on in 1964. I was 15 years old. And my friend and I, Sonny, in Montreal, we said, hey, we should go to the World's Fair. So, of course, how do we get to the World's Fair? He says, well, we can hitchhike. He says, how much money you got? So, anyways, we had 20 bucks between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, we get on the road on, uh, before the border, and, and lo and behold, there, there's this Thunderbird, 1959 Thunderbird, I remember clearly, New York plates on it. The guy stops, says, where are you guys going? Says, New York. Just hop in. So we hopped in, got to the border. The border guard says, who are these guys? The, you know, the, the owner. Oh, I just picked them up. They're going to New York. So they say, come out, boys. So how much money you got? Says, well, we got 20 bucks. <laughs> so that didn't go over well. So they threw us over on the Canadian side again. Sorry, you're, you're oh. not coming in. So, but, so there were some reasonable people at this time. This is good to hear. Yes, of course. So they, they, they threw us back into Canada, but I never take no for an answer. So I said to my friend, let's just sneak across the border. So we're talking about Champlain, New York. So we go through the farms and we're in the Hi. woods and there's this chain link, not chain link fence, but little fence. We just go over it. Next thing you know, we're in Champlain, New York. And we basically, to make a long story short, we hitchhiked to New York City. We took the, we, we're in downtown Times Square. We go to the movies to sleep because we're tired. And they wake us up like at one o'clock in the morning. Get out of here, kids. And the next day, we took the, the uh, <laughs> we took the, the not the metro, the, uh, the subway mm -hmm. to the World's Fair. Now, there's the World's Fair with the big world. Yeah. The thing is, they <clears throat> charge money to get in there. 
<laughs> we didn't have any money to get into the fair. Oh no! So, so we we turned around and basically hitchhiked back home and. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I had left a, a note at my house to mom, dad, we we're just going to World's Fair in New York. I just left a note. So when I, like I got back, you, uh... when I got back, I got hell. Mom and dad were not happy on that one. <laughs> oh. so, uh, I like how you uh, basically invaded a foreign country just to get denied at the uh, so, yeah. World's Fair. <laughs> funny, man. So I snuck across the border. So, so, so lo and behold, a couple of years later, I say that. I think I'd like to go to California because I I was in love with the Beach Boys, and I figured it, and I wanted to see the ocean and everything else, and to see the surf's up. So I figured if I go there, I'm going to be going to Huntington Beach, and the Beach Boys are going to be walking around. Or you actually believed some... the Beach Boys were going to be there? <laughs> well, yeah, that's where the, that's where they were. <laughs> you know, they were in <laughs> so they were singing Man about, Manhattan right? Beach. Newport, you know, it's like this. This is where I'm going. Yep. And I just, and that was in 1965, and that's when I decided. I think next year I'm going to go. And everybody said, yeah, 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 yeah. And probably mom and dad's figured that yeah, he's going to get to, you know, Toronto, 400, 340 miles, 300, 400 miles away. And so, well, this is no good, and he'll turn around. <laughs> Except I didn't turn around. I kept going. <laughs> I love going. That's because I, th I think you may have done acid on the beach with Jim Morrison. The way this <laughs> no, is going. no, no, sure. no. None of, that, none of that was going I, on. I love everything about this story, especially how it points out how much the times have changed. Right? Oh, yes. Uh, like, like, this is such like a fantasy for people now, but you actually got to live it. So you've got a bike. You've got parents who don't care, and well, you, you've yeah, got a destination. I do it. How much money did you have for this trip? I had I had saved up two hundred U.S. dollars. Wow. Okay. So now I'm going on a trip, and I figured I no idea how long it's going to take. You know, so I figured you know I know it's three thousand miles or thirty five hundred miles away. Mm -hmm. but it's three thousand. Then you got to go up to San Francisco, because I basically went from. Montreal to L.A., going through the old uh, Route 66, of course. But yes. I guess back then it wasn't really old old Route 66. It was Route 66. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, in the 60s. <laughs> yeah. And got to L.A. and then drove up to uh, San Francisco, Oakland, and then took the 80 and came back across. So, so much I was happened in, along the way. Oh, so much happened along the way. Oh, yes, many things happened along the way. Well, and, and <laughs> yes. I also want to set the picture. So on a small bike like that, how yeah. much stuff can you take with you? And what kind of gear would one have been wearing then? Okay, back then, of course, I didn't have any money to be going to hotels and what have you. So I had mm -hmm. a little pup tent. I had bought one of the accessories that Randy doesn't have on his bike is the chrome uh, luggage rack in the oh, back. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that was a cool luggage rack. And on that, I had my uh, pup tent, my tent. Not not very much clothes, I can tell you that right now. And, uh, you know, away we went. And So back know. then, the like, uh, gear would have been, like, galoshes and a raincoat? Is that the kind of gear no, one might not have? Even, not, not even. even I mean, not it's even. just get wet. <laughs> I didn't have that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Helmet, no, had, nothing. And another thing, no, I didn't have a helmet. <coughs> and the thing is, I was rereading the story again today, and I said, "Holy shit! Why did I, I had sandals on?" <laughs> yes. Okay. The sandals. So I'm driving the, the sandals. The, oh man. 
The sandals will come back. Well, they will come back into the story. So you head yeah. out on this trip, and everyone's like, oh, he's never, he's never going to make it." Um, so tell us about yeah, the yeah, first yeah, couple yeah. days. How was it? Like, what kind of miles? What what kind of speed were you going? Okay, well, the first, the first, the first uh, day, I, I took off. Well, as I was reading, I took off at nine thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and I took off down the, the four hundred one, which is back then the highway was there already. It's a four lane highway. Drove through Toronto, and now by then I'm getting pretty tired. So this is like tiring riding this little, you know, it's like mm-hmm. imagine your moped. So, yeah. <laughs> so then it gets to be about, uh, I forgot what time it was, but it was probably about uh, 9, 10 o'clock at night. I pulled over on the side of the road and went to sleep in a sleeping bag and sleep on the side of the road. And right before then, uh, the next morning, I think it was, the next morning I take off again. Now the next stop is uh, Windsor and crossover at Detroit. So, so now, as soon as I take off, I lose one of the baffles. Now, <laughs> twin jets without baffles are very loud. But I couldn't go back and get it. And then I said, oh, well, that's the way it goes, you know. So, but, you know, I basically lost both baffles. So I had a very noisy uh, bike, bike. So then I got to, you know, got, got to Windsor. And uh, I don't understand how they let me cross the border. But today they wouldn't, <laughs> but back then they did. But then again, I had $200 on me, so I probably didn't tell them I was going to California. And what kind of speeds are you doing on this little bike? Probably mm-hmm. On the average, it was probably about 45 to 55 miles an hour. On a four-lane highway. Okay. Now, if you were going downhill. Eh? <laughs> on a four-lane wow. highway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, like in California, I got, in California, I got stopped because you needed... If I remember correctly, uh, ten horsepower to be on the freeways, and the police, the guys, the highway patrol stopped me and says, you know, you can't be on the highway. So because you're only, you know, I guess they knew how much, how many horsepower, and then besides this little thing, so he saw where I came from. He says, go ahead, keep keep going, have a nice trip. <laughs> so nice. So, so uh, you get to travel. And that, was this your first time to the states? <clears throat> no, like I said, I snuck over the the border. Ah, but but traveling across because you got traveling to see a lot of, of America. Yeah, I was yeah I was just going through America. I was going through Texas and Oklahoma and you know Illinois and everywhere. I was going through the, the whole country. So yeah. I'm curious. So, I mean, I mean, you don't see that every day, like now, and probably not then. How were you received, like through Middle America, <clears throat> some of these towns? Uh, you know, I know there's little blurbs about it, but. You know, it had to be kind oh. of like you show up in the middle of nowhere on this little bike that can probably go what, like 120 miles on a tank of gas or something. Oh yeah, I've had I had some freebies. I've had you know like uh, people who buy me a meal, like they couldn't believe it. You know that that sort of stuff. You're in Oklahoma, and you're stopping at the gas station, and the people see you and they start talking, and they're on their way to Las Vegas in their pickup truck. You know, and then and then I tell them the story, and then they just buy you a meal. So that was less money I had to spend. You know? Did you have like your little shtick, like you roll into town, look all hungry and tired, go <laughs> no, to the no, diner, no, 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 because start rolling at the pie case. He didn't have to no, act. I had, had $200. I wasn't like, this is not property. Yeah, but I, 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 okay, so I'm curious. You had 200 bucks. How did you prioritize yeah. your spending beyond gasoline? Well, food. You know, but then I'm a junk food, junk food junkie, so it was easier to buy. A, you know, back then, how much was... 
like in Texas, you could buy hamburgers by the sack or something they used to call it. <laughs> and, uh, and I think you got like a dozen hamburgers for, for, a, for a buck. It was like ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, but one of the things that I missed the most was water. Because don't forget, this was July. And yeah. I'm driving through, you know, I did go through Death Valley, obviously. But it was hot, you know. It was hot all over the United States. And I couldn't get enough water. Because I didn't carry water. It was, oh, you know. wow. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. Oh, have, I, that I forgot about that. At that time. <clears throat> I yeah, forgot like, about uh, that. Aside from the baffles coming out, did you have any mechanical issues? I mean, the thing mechanical right, Mechanical issues were basically spark lug fouling. Uh-huh. Okay? So, wow. uh, so th- that, I had to clean them. I had to get a, you know, that was part of my expenses on the uh, repairs. I had to buy spark plugs. I think we had, yeah, plugs was eight bucks I spent on spark plugs. So back wow. then they were probably, I don't know, 50 cents a piece. I, I used up a lot of spark plugs. You know, rather than cleaning them, you just, let's go, change them, let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And were you having good weather the whole time? <clears throat> yeah, I had, I mean, I had some thunderstorms, stuff like this, but mostly sunny. You know, don't forget, this is, this is, especially in the latter part of the trip, you're in California, you're in Texas, you're in New Mexico, you're in Arizona, you're in California, there's no rain there. So it seemed like the trip is going pretty good. You're getting into the groove. You and the bike That's right. are doing well. After, and yeah, until after a couple of days, I'm tired. <laughs> until I think you hit the grapevine in California. Yes. Okay. Well, that's before the grapevine. Yeah. Uh, I was reading it again. It says, yeah, I remember yeah. the grapevine now. <laughs> yeah. Because <So, laughs> <laughs> the day before, I was in, uh, I had to stop in Needles, California. Mm-hmm. Because it was so, so hot. I remember stopping at this little outside restaurant and looking at the thermometer in the shade, and it was 115 degrees. Oof. And right in the back of the restaurant was a little pond. So I told, asked the guy, do you think I could just go for a swim? And he says, yeah, just knock yourself out, do whatever you want. So lo and behold, we did my swim, and then the, the sun started to come down, and now I can take off again because then I was felt a little cooler, even though it wasn't. And... And that's the next day is when we got to the to the grapevine. So, so I'm um, figuring, <clears throat> let's get, so Jim, for those who don't know the grapevine, you've been on it. You want to describe what the grapevine is? Oh me? Yeah, oh, go yeah. Ahead. So the grape yeah, the grapevine is uh it's highway five as you go from well for us north to south mm-hmm. towards LA. So basically you're in the Central Valley heading south. Then a mountain range pops up out of nowhere. And it used to be called the Ridge Route back in the day. And it's this mountain road that goes up over the mountains, whatever they're called, that takes you from the valley up over and drops you into L.A. But it's pretty gnarly. I want to say at times, you know, if you consider both directions, Emma probably knows better than me, maybe 12 lanes. But it's just a yeah. shit ton of semis. It's windy. Yeah, it's mountainous. It, it snows. It'll get closed to snow. And it's just wackadoo driving all over the place. Well, and yeah, a lot of it 12, is. There wasn't 12 lanes back then, though. And yeah. a, a lot of it is straight or really long sweeping. So people tend to go pretty fast on it. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's where I had my highest speed on the motorcycle. I would do about 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Holy downhill, you know? So, I mean, this is I made time there. So you're you know? doing like really high speed, like probably yeah. like full tuck in oh, your yeah, sandals, yeah, yeah. bombing and, down the grapevine. Then, then all of a sudden. Yeah. Problems. Got a flat tire in the front, <clears throat> kind of, kind of panicked, slammed on the brakes and what have you, and lost control. 
and the bike started sliding onto the sides, and I basically fell off the bike, put a big gash on my foot, which the scar is still there, and a few scrapes here and there, you know. Then I sort of get up, and I look at the bike, and it's sitting on its side, and I say, oh, no, now what do I do? I'm a little far away from home. I hope is the bike all bent up, you know. So I looked at it, and I said, oh, okay. So I started to you know, lick my wounds, basically. There was nothing, I didn't have any Band-Aids. I wasn't, like, prepared for that. I didn't think of uh, getting into uh, accidents. So I take the wheel off. I get a ride into San Bernardino, I guess it was. Uh, I had the name of the place that did the repairs when I was reading the article. Mm-hmm. So they had they fixed the tire for me, got it hitched back, put the wheel back on the bike, then rode in and went back to the, the, the Yamaha dealer again that I had been to that fixed the tire. And they checked the bike out and everything else. And that's one of the places they said, no, no charge, you know, when they see what, what I had just done. So that was one of the freebies for sure. They, they tuned like plugs and and then I was on my way. And uh, finally, that's the day that I saw Huntington Beach. And oh, I remember arriving. <laughs> and I'm arriving and I'm coming into Huntington Beach. And there in the distance, the sun is setting in the ocean. Okay. Nice. And it's, I'm, I'm arrived there right before sunset. So I says, ah, and I just pulled in. Look at this. And there's the beach. And that's when you took the acid with Jim Morrison? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. <laughs> so then. So then mm-hmm. I, it's like uh, well, a sunset, whatever. It was late, probably. It was mm-hmm. sunset, I would imagine, in the July is what, 8, 9 o'clock? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. about yeah. right. Yeah. So then I, okay, I'm going to find a place to eat. Now, I had to go and try to get my, uh, I had a big gash on my foot. It's like, so I, I went to the, uh, the first aid station on the beach. I guess somebody was still there. And they showed it to him. He says, oh, you need some stitches on that, son. Says, well, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not, I can't go to the hospital. I don't, I don't, my $200 is going down. So then he just put a big uh, Band-Aid on it. And that was the end of it. Then I went into these, went to these like, couple of bars. And I'm looking for the Beach Boys. Okay. Now the Beach Boys aren't there. <laughs> Again, 17-year-old Canadian. Yep. Got it. And, I, and, I, and then I meet up with some beach, well, surfers, you know, the mm-hmm. young guys, surfers and everything else. So, oh, I'd like to try that. Were any of them named Moondoggy? That I don't remember the names. <laughs> so, so then, then they say, "Hey, if you want to try it, we can. We're going out early tomorrow morning." I didn't, I didn't know how early they. They do go out early. So he says, "We can meet you at the beach about six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning." So I says, "Well, that's where I'm sleeping because I don't have any. You know, I'm sleeping on the beach." So the next morning they come and there we go out in the water and they showed me how to do this and do that. So it's, it's the first and last time that I really surfed in my life. But I was able to get up, you know, but I never did it since. So, so there, so now it's the next morning. So now what do I do? I've, I've driven from Montreal and I'm now in uh, Huntington Beach. I have a quick question. Yeah. In your story, you said that you stopped and bought a Terry for your girlfriend. That's not, not, that's, that's the next day. Okay. What is a Terry? A Terry is a, is a, a Terry cloth, like something you put over your your bathing suit, you know, it's like a, not a bathrobe, but it was a short thing that you would. Uh, okay. 
Thank you. It's, 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 it's like a, it's a put over your bathing suit. Like yeah. it's made out of terry cloth. I've seen Emma in one when I go to visit for a spot of tea. Yes. Yeah. Emma wears, wears one oh, a loincloth. So that was the terry. And that I guess that fit on my little <laughs> luggage rack in the back. A loincloth. <laughs> That's what she wears when we get tea. <laughs> so, so, so there we are the next morning. Now we've, we've, I've done my surfing. And I don't see the Beach Boys. I said, oh, well, I guess now what do I do? He says, well, I guess I'll head back home. You <laughs> <laughs> must have looked like a hobo, man. Sleeping on the beach. You got yeah. one flip-flop. You're walking around all bloody. Yeah. <laughs> Picking up I'm on dudes in bars. Like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so then so then, basically, I hop on the bike after in, in the morning surf. And, uh, and I remember we were in, uh, what the hell? Just north of LA, Malibu. Malibu, that's right. yeah. That's that's where I bought the, the Terry for my the girlfriend. Terry. Right. So so we're in Malibu, and I buy the Terry, and I just keep driving up three hundred one, what have you. Oh, and, there's something else you bought there yeah. too. You got a little smarter now. Oh, the helmet. Yes. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> right, maybe I'll buy a helmet for this trip. Good idea. No, I figured. I figured mm. after my having my spill in San Bernardino, I said maybe it's not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So yeah, I did have a helmet after that, but it was a cheap one, just a little, like one of one of these little. Uh, I don't know how you would describe it. But. It was a football mm-hmm. helmet. Be yeah. honest, it was a football helmet with the <laughs> face guard and everything. We know. <laughs> Jack Nicholson. Hey, stuff. it served yes. in one construction boot to replace the flip flop you lost in the accident. <laughs> we know. Well, and then you you headed up one, and you headed up towards where we are. Uh, sounds yeah, so, like yeah, you yeah, passed yeah, right through I, Santa I, Cruz. I, yeah, I mean, I crossed that uh, Oakland Bridge and all that, mm-hmm. you know, and then through Sacramento and uh, everything. And I thought uh, thought Sacramento was one of the prettiest towns I'd seen back then. <laughs> Again, boy, the times have changed. Uh, <laughs> well, hang, but hang on. It's very, very easy to trash Sacramento. When you're comparing it, it to is. all, to Malibu, uh, San Francisco, just, just Santa Hang Chris. on. Just hang on, Liza. <laughs> I know exactly what Peter means. Downtown Sacramento in places is very, very pretty still because yeah. there are so many trees. Yeah, but remember, um, doing doing this trip, I had no time to visit. I'm just right. See, through. just passing if through. I'm, I'm in Huntington Beach. There's Huntington Beach. I'm in Malibu. There mm-hmm. I am on yeah. Pacific Coast Highway. You know, this is this is it. This is. I don't see any. I didn't go to Hollywood. I did that a few years, a couple of years later with my Volkswagen Beetle. But that's another story. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so yeah, you um, you came up through California, our neck of the woods, yeah. and then you started yeah. heading Three, up east. To I guess it was three hundred one. Is it? Uh, you started heading east. Did you go through Vegas? No, and we we went through. I went uh, through Oakland. Yep, yep. Then S- Sacramento, oh, right, and I guess right, Lake right. Tahoe. You know, to eighty basically. So, but then 80. eighty was not all there. So this is where I come into the story. Uh huh. Yeah, you don't realize this, and no one else here knows. But we were very close to one another on that day. Oh really? Wow! Because you passed your lo- through. Liza is your love child. You passed through <laughs> Northern Utah <laughs> on July seventeenth. Well, it's okay. As I was I'm, being, I'm looking. I'm looking. As I was being born, I left Carson. Ah! I left Carson City at six a.m. Uh, 
I was on born on July 17th in Utah. And in your journal, you say you passed through Utah. And I stopped at, in Spanish Forks, Utah for the night at 10 p.m. We were in the same state on the same day, probably the only when time. When you were born. On the, the day, day I was born. You were born. Yep. Wow. There Andy, you go. Almost as good as we got connections here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small world. Yeah, isn't that uh, funny? I was reading it, and I'm like, wait a minute. I thought yeah. that was so. This funny. little Yamaha Amazing. went right by your place. Yep, exactly. I was there. I think I remember hearing it. Yeah, yeah. it was oh, yeah. loud the as fuck. Were loud enough. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you continue. Are you having any more bike issues at this point? Uh. <laughs> Yes and no. Uh, I had somewhere <clears> along <throat> the way I got another flat. I forgot exactly where that was, but that was in the story. Okay. And then I remember helping some lady that had a flat tire. Mm -hmm. I probably got a tip out of that, you know. So I, I lost some <clears throat> time there. And But then towards, uh, as we're getting close to Chicago, but, and I had to, to adjust the damn chain a lot. Yeah. You know, like <clears throat> they, they kept getting looser and looser and looser you know when and that happens course, you just cut a link out every now and then put it back together <laughs> you're good to go i was 17 years old i didn't know any better <laughs> I, I just <laughs> so i would adjust the wheel or whatever the hell i did so so then as i'm getting closer to uh chicago it's starting to skip like the sprocket is getting worn mm -hmm. okay so then you keep try to tighten it as much as you can and i remember stopping at this yamaha dealer again and they always look at you weird saying what the hell is this guy doing in his little twin jet and he's got the quebec license plate on it and so then they would they would adjust it for me and then i'd be on my way and then he would tell me just don't drive slowly in other words don't uh, accelerate fast or else you'll wear out the sprocket so he I, says, but you should be able to go another thousand miles, which is just, what I still had to drive. Just curious, how much would a chain and sprockets have cost back then? I have no idea because the end of the story, I'll, I'll tell yeah. you what happened. Uh, so, so then I'm, we're, I'm, I'm driving slowly. And of course, as we go along, <laughs> it's, it's getting slower and slower. I, at, at one point, I can't go much more. I'm getting closer to Montreal, to, to Quebec. I'm in Ontario by then. But I can't go much more than about 45 miles an hour, 40, 45 miles an hour on the, on the, basically on the highway. This We're talking about an, an interstate, a Canadian interstate, but I'm doing like 45 because it's, if I do any more, it just skips and it burns out the, the sprocket. So finally got, I got home. Uh, uh, let's see, the last, because I think I had slept right around the Detroit or on the other side of Detroit. It's, I forgot exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, that's it. Because I, I slept in London, Ontario, because I had already crossed into Canada and what have you. And, but this last day was a real problem with the sprocket. <clears throat> you know, it was just be you know, god awful. And I was thinking maybe I won't make it. Maybe I won't make it. But at least I'm closer. <laughs> I'm not in San Bernardino, you know. And you probably so only had that little Yamaha toolkit that came with the bike. That's right? that's right. all I had. Very good. You know, the, the thing to take the spark plug off. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, uh, and that's it. And you were averaging like 500 miles a day? I was 500 miles a day. Wow. The longest that I did, the longest day that I did was, I, I still remember to this day, I didn't even have to look in the book, it was 721 miles in one day. 
it was that's 20 hardcore. hours of driving. And I, when, I, when, when I'm driving, I'm just driving. I mean, I was not wow. 100. Yeah, 721 miles in nonstop, 20 hours. <laughs> it took in sandals. On a twin jet. I mean, that's sandals. I, yeah, I, I'm going to tell you something about these Canadians right now. They're <laughs> tough. These guys That's right. are tough. I mean, because I've, so, I've, done, I've done that many miles on a, on a bike that's two and a half times the size, and I know how, how rough that was for me. <laughs> I can't just, imagine doing yeah. that on 100. And, yeah, another thing that I forgot to tell you, when I crossed over from Detroit into Windsor, of course I stopped for gas. And that was a, one of the highlights to, to me. It was, anyways. And I pull in, and I thought I see two guys with California plates on it. Now I'm thinking back whether it was. I thought it, I thought they were Arleys, but in the story they were trying 500s. Mm -hmm. okay. okay. So they're, they're going. They're stopping for gas also, and I start talking to them. You know, I says, "Hey guys, uh, where are you from? California." I says, "Oh, I was just there." <laughs> and they look at me funny. <laughs> now, of course, by then I'm I'm like I'm very dark. A lot of my tan was 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 extreme. You know, I'm in oh, the yeah. sun for. <laughs> so so I said, uh, you know, it says when did you guys leave? He says they tell me when they had left. I, I wrote it in the book. I had beaten them by two and a half days from <laughs> San, from San Francisco. <laughs> so wow. And, and they said, boy, oh, boy. And I, I tagged along with them a little bit, but I couldn't tag very far because I couldn't go fast. You know, it was just yeah. my speed was was uh, messed up. So and we, that, did, we but, didn't say, but you made it home. You had to keep going slow. I, I, ma I made it home, but towards home. the end, I couldn't go much more than 35, 40 miles an hour. Oof. And I finally came in home and but whatever time it was, 10 it was during at the night, evening. Yeah. And I just pulled in. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, that, that I don't think was there that time. But hi, mom. My sisters were there. And then they'd say, you crazy fool. We were so sick about, you know, <laughs> because remember, I couldn't text. I couldn't. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. So there was cool. no such a thing. And I certainly didn't have any money for phone calls. I think I called my uh, girlfriend once because then you had to put quarters in. You know, and that takes, that takes too much of your $200 for, uh, to put quarters in to talk to somebody. Yeah. So they didn't know where the hell I was. Oh my! That God. could have been, you know, dead and off the uh, grapevine, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I imagine <laughs> you rolled in. Your your chain was skipping and slipping. Oh yeah, yeah. So now this, I I got in. It was on a Friday. Looking at my uh, book here, July twenty twenty second. Okay, so that's basically fourteen days, and I had driven seven thousand five hundred miles in fourteen days wow. on a twin wow. jet. Wow! Wow! That's amazing. That's, that's probably so that's, uh, that probably is a world record at that point, you know. That, I would imagine too. Like I yeah. said, there was not too many crazies like me. I mean, you saw the the, the, the typical Hell's Angels with the, the Harleys and everything, which is what I, in my memory now, seems to be like the guys that I met in uh, Windsor, Ontario, crossing <laughs> Detroit. But nobody would be traveling with a twin jet. You know? Peter, yeah. uh, but, but, I have a question for you. At uh, at one point, did you realize, oh shit, I'm actually doing this? Like, I am. I am. Like, how many miles were you from your home, or did that? You know, like, I'm I'm actually going to California right now. The point of no return. Yeah. Right. Exactly. The, point, the point of no return. Yeah. Well, you know, when I'm in California, that was it. Hitting Needles, California, I hit it. But then there's still a ways from Needles to uh, Huntington Beach. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's not, not down the road, especially when you get problems on the big grapevine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and another thing, too, I wanted but to... But then I said it's, it's a long ways back home, though. And another thing I want to just, just put into perspective is that you, you rode 7,000, more than 7,000 miles. 7,500, yeah. Right. In 14 days, that's more than 500 miles every day yeah. for two weeks. Every day, yes. On a 100cc bike. Yes. That is insane. That's horrible. And the biggest day, like I said, was 721 miles. Yeah. What's even more incredible is that Bagel is the one amongst our group that does crazy riding that we all think right. he's crazy. And now he thinks you're crazy. I take it as an honor. That is, that is absolutely a compliment. Absolutely. 100%. But you know what, Peter? This is the whole crux of why I love the story so much because yeah. it's got everything. It's, it's a novella. Yeah. It's but then got... the story, the story is not over. So oh. now I'm there on that. Now I'm there on Friday in the evening. So now I got her. Now I'm finally sleeping in the, my own bed and everything. So now my bike's kind of in disarray, you know, the sprocket. I mean, it's right. been scraped up. It's been the, 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 the handle for the brakes and what have you. So on the Monday morning, I take my bike to the Yamaha dealer where I bought it. was Daytona, Daytona Motors in Montreal. They sold Yamaha. They sold a bunch of other motorcycles. And I pulled in with my little motorcycle. And by then, I think I had 12,000 miles on it. And the thing was like two months old. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's amazing. So then, then they look at the bike, and I tell them what I had just done. And then you see the sprockets all done. They fixed the whole bike for free, like the the the, right. the foot peg, the the the, the brake uh, uh, handle, uh, you know, the new sprocket. They made it look like brand new again, and it was all thank you Yamaha. It was all on the on the house. Yeah, that's I awesome. Felt, uh, you deserved it, huh? I guess. Yes. <laughs> Jim, that's, Jim, you had a question. Like I was saying, that's the charm of the story because it has so much. I mean, Peter's adventure, the daring do, any tale of young men doing <laughs> daring things is great, but you throw in the kindness of strangers as well. And oh, yeah, yeah. That, your kindness in helping the woman change her wheel. You That's know, we right. talk yeah. a lot we, we talk a lot about karma these days. But I yeah, mean yeah. there it is. You know, even in the middle of this adventure, and you've got to be under some kind of stress, like I've got a long way to go and a long way from home. I don't know if I still, thought about that. I well, really don't think you know, I knew no, about but that, you, you know. still take time out of your day to stop and help a woman change a wheel. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's the most He's Canadian. Story. He has to. I'm he thought Canadian. he was going to get Canadian. paid. Canadian. He's like, that, I'm going to hey? get paid for this. <laughs> but, <laughs> he was um, hustling. A- after you changed their tires, did you apologize? <laughs> eh? No, no, no. <laughs> so I wanted to share, the. I've got the tally of your... The total cost of this, you said you had 200 bucks, which sounds right, like not I, a lot, but in fact, it was then. Um, so your tally, your total gas bill was $35. Correct. Oil was $12. Spark yeah. plugs, $8. Repairs, $10. And your flat tires cost you $3 for a total of 68 bucks. Right, but the rest was food. And uh, like three, I think three times I stopped for motels. That I didn't so include I, in the, I, I, I'm sure I didn't come home with money. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, do you have any idea how much money you had in your pocket when you rolled into town? 
I probably didn't have very, very much when I rolled into town. So even by today's dollars, I calculated the. Oh, geez. There uh, you go again, Randy. Yeah. Even in today's dollars, Mm -hmm. that 7,000-mile trip would have cost you about $539. Okay. Good value. That was your total tally at the end there. Yeah, by 17 cents a a gallon. Right. But I've got a question for you, Peter. And it's, it's, I asked the same question of a wonderful lady called Elspeth Beard. Um, a couple of years ago, and she was the first English woman to circumnavigate the globe on a motorcycle, to give you an idea of, and she did it solo. And you sound like you were a bit of an adventurer beforehand. Yes, I always have been. (laughs) Right, she wasn't. And so my question to Elspeth was, this trip... Did it really change your perspective on life? Because she went on to be very, very successful and something of a risk taker, which helped her in her career. Um, And she said, yes, absolutely. The trip changed me. You sound like you were an adventurer before the trip. Yes. Do you think the trip trip changed you at all? Well, in the sense that I, I, I can never say, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm always, I'm going right. to be able so to, I'm going to do it. Right, so it's the same thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean I can't do it? Dare me and I'll do it. It's even worse, right. you know? Because <laughs> when it, before, another part of the story is when I wanted to go on this trip and I was in high school still, you know, and I'm telling my friends, I'm going to see the, the Beach, Beach Boys, Boys in California. So, of course, they're all, they're all crazy. And this, I remember this, this friend of mine had a camera. He says, I'll bet you your camera that I'm going to make the trip. She says, yeah, sure, okay, I'll bet you. Now, I don't remember if I ever got the camera, but <laughs> that, was, that was one of the incentives that um, I can't come back and say that uh, I wasn't, uh, that I failed, you know? Right. So, and, and I think we all want to hear that you still have that bike in the garage today, right? No, Randy's got it. <laughs> I, I, heard that he's, I heard that he was going to make a, a, a donation. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Randy. Yes. You, do you have a twin jet? Or do I you have no, no, the... not a twin. It's, it's exactly really? the same color, the right. same, and it's, and it's absolutely showroom mint condition. The oh, same wow. color, the same everything. The only thing missing is the It doesn't, it doesn't is have the, as many miles new... on it as yours. Oh, okay. No, it, it's missing the rack in the back. You're right. Okay, but I've I've got the very same motorcycle. Um, same I, I collect motorcycles, and that's just one that I I had to have. Same so. stickers on it, right? So Perfect. the story the story meant a lot to me, you know, because it was about a twin jet. Um, I couldn't afford the twin jet. I was a a little, uh, you know, a young kid in southeast Minnesota, living out in the country. I had just enough money to get a little Yamaha sixty, and. Uh, and I and I loved that and played with that for years, um, but you know w- when that story hit, it was so much more than just a story about a young guy on a cool Yamaha Twin Jet 100 riding all the way out to California. There were there were so many layers that were happening, so many things that were going on in that story that just pulled you in, uh, and I found it to just be a real rich and dynamic story, uh, which stayed with me. Like I said, 54 years, and I hook up with the uh, the guy that uh, created that story. So I was, I was, I was basically your hero. You I still are, Peter. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, dude, you're my hero now. <laughs> I have, Peter, I have a further question for you that is not related to the trip and really not related to motorbikes. Now, I know you might be a bit partial or a bit biased. Having never been, I am told that Montreal is one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Is this true? It's as, it is absolutely true. It's as close to Europe as you can get, staying on this side of the ocean. Right. So very beautiful women also. That's yeah, what they very, say. Very beautiful women in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, but my, 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 wife, my wife was born in New Jersey, so... I, <laughs> my wife was born in New Jersey. My two kids were born in Miami, so they're they're basically both now. They're they're oh, everybody living here. So it's that sense of travel that you've instilled on your whole oh, yeah. family. Oh, that's one. Well, that's I mean, when I was twenty one years old, I said I got I I hated snow. I've, I've always hated snow. As a matter of fact, that's why we have a home in Manzanillo now, in yeah. the retirement years. But I hated hated and hated snow, and that's another story about. Going down south in uh, 1971, I was what 22, 23 years old. I I was a uh, Volkswagen Porsche mechanic oh, that wow. I started with my brother here in in Montreal. And of course, if you remember, in those days there was an awful lot of Beatles. Yes. Okay, and old 356s and what have you. And I packed up. I had an old 1959. Uh, 356A Porsche, an old one, of course. Oh, well, back sweet. then, it was maybe 12 years old, which I probably paid like 200 bucks for back then. Mm. Loaded up the car with my little toolbox and basically drove down to Miami. Now, back then, the border was not checking that too much, you know. So, so I got to Miami, and now I need a job. And of course, I don't have a social security number or anything, so. How do I get a job? So I just went to the social security office and I said, I need a social security number. And they gave it to me. <laughs> Back then. <laughs> Remember, I'm 21 years old, 22 years wow. old. Ask and you shall offer. receive. That's right. So they just gave me a social security number. So <laughs> so then I then I look up and uh, I was in Miami and I look up for, uh, I wanted to work in a Volkswagen shop, of course. Now, I don't want to work in a dealer because the dealer pays you a basically so much per hour. And back then I had found out that in Miami that uh, independent shops, which there were many with all of the uh, valves burning and the engines burning on those beetles, <laughs> that uh, you could get 50% labor flat rate. Yep. Okay. So I said, my goodness, this is like incredible. So wow. I remember going to Bainey's Volkswagen. In South Miami, so I said, "Yeah." I says, "Do you know any, Do you know how to work on these things?" I says, "Well, yeah, no, no problem." Says, "What? Show me what you want me to do, and I'll do it." So he says, "Okay." First day, the first day, I remember quite clearly. I did, and, and they, they had an engine room. I remember the engine room, air condition. So you take the engine out, which took like five minutes, bring it in the engine room, tear it all apart. Everything was there. All the equipment was there. The valve machine, the sand the, the glass bead machine so throw the engine in rebuild it put it back together anyways that first day i rebuilt an engine and did a valve job nice first day i made 150 dollars <laughs> and i and the owner says 
holy shit, how can you be, how can you do this so fast? As well, you're paying me flat rate, 50%. <laughs> <laughs> There's motivation so there. <laughs> so he says, from, he says from that day on, he says, you're my new uh, engine transmission, man. So I would work like air condition, you know? And nice. Perfect. Yeah. And within I, a year, we opened up a shop myself with another guy. That was it. So, so that's, and yeah, basically, I've, we had I've an independent motorcycle shop. Uh, I've done been a motorcycle mechanic for many, many years. Yeah. And I've never worked hourly. I've always worked never? flat rate. Never? Okay. Never worked hourly. It's always been flat rate because that's where the money is. I know. Money. That's, that's, because that's what I used to it's tell no people. It's no brainer. That's yeah, what but I you got to hustle. Yeah, I said the good mechanics are not at the dealer; they're at the independents because they're right. They're there to make some money. Let's let's do this. And they're all yeah. on flat rate because all flat as rate. long as you know, as long as you know how to work and hustle oh, yeah. and do quality work, you can make bank on Be, flat rate. Oh yeah, because you don't get penalized for being good at a dealership. You're getting your whatever it was back then. Uh, you know, right? five bucks an hour or whatever. And yeah. that's it. You know, you do your eight hours and that's what you got paid. So, you know, it's, I don't even think it was $5 back then. No, because we used to charge $14 an hour. That's what it was for, for the labor. So I would right. be getting seven. So, wow. you know, seven bucks an hour. And the first day I made 150 bucks. So that's good flat rates. I was, I was fast. Nice. Well, Peter, that is an amazing story. Um, it sounds like you've probably had a lot of adventures to share. And Oh, uh, yes. Emma had an adventure last week, and I want to hear about, but I wanted to say, do, would you like to stay on uh, as we talk about other stuff? Sure. I'd love All to right, to cool. This. Randy, you're right. staying too? You bet. I'm here. Cool. All right. <laughs> Emma, you also had an adventure last Saturday or last Sunday. Was it as great as his adventure? Oh, I mean, all my adventures are wonderful fun. I mean, on a much, much smaller scale. Um, but yeah, I did the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride because oh. it's open for girls too. Yes. Right. Uh, ah. I've done it. So just for people who don't know what the Distinguished Gentleman's Ride is, it's an organized ride. It always happens on September the... Oh, God, 28th, 25th, whatever. Um, It's an organized ride, and in order to be eligible for the ride, you have to have either a vintage or a vintage-style machine. You can't do it on a sport bike. Um, You have to dress in your best clothes, and you have to get some sponsorship and raise money for variety of men, you know, men's health things. Right. There's mental health, prostate health. Yeah, prostate cancer. Right. Exactly. Prostate cancer research. So if you meet those three requirements, you can go on the ride. Um, and obviously, this year's ride was a little bit different because we were all social distancing. Um it's a bit of a pr- pilgrimage for me. I always go down to San Luis Obispo and do it with a, a very dear friend of mine, Jason, who organizes the ride. Um, there were about 30 people this year. Just had a very, very nice ride. Raised a lot of money for prostate cancer research. The weather was perfect. The company was perfect. What were you riding? 
I was riding my Moda Guzzi, um, my V11, and you hear, heard it here first. That's probably going to be the last run I'm going to do on it because it is time to go. So um, the Guzzi is actually up for sale. What? I need, tri- I need oh, wow. Trident money. I how much? Trident- wait, how how mm. much? How much is this custom-made well, you know, Moto Guzzi that you, you put your heart and soul into? I don't know. I'd like to. Uh, I'll kind of poke and prod the next owner. Um, if if I know somebody is going to take good care of it, I will do them a screaming deal. Now, bear in mind, this is a show-winning bike. This is one best of show a couple of times. You want to trade for a CX500 Turbo? I do not. Oh, I thought I'd try. <laughs> Remember, I need Trident money. Yes. You need I, Trident mufflers. You need those mufflers <laughs> for that Trident. The, no, the that's is, just cash. The mufflers I want for my Trident are $1,000. And I want them. Ouch. Yeah, yeah I know. But <laughs> well, look. If, if one thing Peter taught us is you don't need them. Yeah, you don't need them. Just buy extra spark yeah. plugs. Yeah. Well, exactly. No, I have ridden the Trident around the block without the mufflers on. It is quite loud. So, um, no, I'm um, no, I'm going to. Uh, I'm thinning the herd. So, so back to DGR. You did the yes. ride. Good yes. turnout. Good turnout. We had about 30 bikes. There were no incidents at all. Um, I was riding alongside a young man in a very, very smart Seastucker suit who was riding a Honda 354 that was doing very, very well till we got on the freeway. And then the back end tried to overtake the front for whatever <laughs> oh. reason, wow. which was a little scary, but he held it. God bless him. Although I think he filled his trousers. Um, and when we pulled over by the side of the road, all these rear spokes had come loose in this oh. Oh. So you, no. could, you could grab the wheel and kind of rock it from side to side. It's absolutely terrifying. Yikes. But he, com- he completed the run. Um, and um, no other incident, actually. I mean, the Guzzi ran beautifully, as it always does. Um, Jason was... What was Jason riding this year? He's ridden his Vincent in the past. I think think did michael go with you yes well and and not just michael listener mike showed up too exactly and i was going to come to mike so mccarthy went down with me and he's always good company um on that um cafe out sportster of his which got a lot of attention and then um I met superfan Mike in yeah. San Luis Obispo. And Mike, you were emailing backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And the last email he sent you was, I don't know where they're riding from, so I'm just going to ride around San Luis Obispo <laughs> until I find them. And, you know, <laughs> can't be hard to find a, a woman in a cat suit on a candy sparkle green Motoguzzi, right? How hard well, can it be? Know, San Luis is a small town, but it ain't that small. <laughs> and I read this email. And thought, you know, I'll send him an email and say where we're leaving from. So I said, look, we're going to be at the Black Horse Coffee Shop on Higuera Street. We leave at 1030. And apparently he didn't read this email until <clears throat> like 958. And he was way up in the Tuscadero. It's about 20 miles away. So he jumped on his bike and just hammered down. And 
I met him. He was wearing a motorcycles and misfits t-shirt. Yeah. And he did he did part of the run with us. Really nice guy. Great riding with him. He's got a beautiful super glide, which I was Shout very to- jealous of. Shout out to Michael. Thanks yeah. for hanging out. So, yeah. No, Michael, thanks for coming down, hanging out. It was great seeing you. He got the Emma's Army sticker. He got the Give It The Beans face. He was a very happy chap. And, um, yeah, good time was had by all. Nice. So, um, uh, Jim and I had our own little adventure yesterday. And uh, we did a nice ride. We took the Africa Twins. You know, and this is where uh, being out here in California, and Peter, you've seen it. Our lunch ride is down Highway 1 to Big Sur to have lunch. I mean, uh-huh. come on. Some of the best riding. What, um, what, what more can you ask for? Right, right. And then uh, coming back, uh, Nock, we took his Old Coast Highway, the the dirt road that goes around the backside. Uh, yeah, Nock and I have been road. on that. Yeah, Old Coast Road. Just, It's great. It's beautiful. Do a little bit of off-roading. Did you run into cows? <laughs> no, you would have heard about it from Jim. He has Thankfully, a thing about Lord, cows. Yeah. Um, but I experienced something that I think most people have experienced and have complained about, except for me. I've never experienced this, and I've always thought people are making a bigger deal out of it. Uh, So remember earlier I said, I am six feet tall. That means I have long legs and good leverage, and I have never met a bike that was too big for me that I couldn't easily support while sitting astride it. Until the Africa Twin. And as we're riding on this dirt road, at one point, I hit a bunch of bumps and my top case kind of flew open and something came out and uh, I just pulled over. I just stopped on the road, put the kickstand down, got off, got the gas bottle, put it back in. No big deal. I get on the bike and I cannot push it back upright because I put it on, it parked on a slight incline with a kickstand on the downhill side. And I literally was doing that thing where I'm just trying to like, my leg was not long enough to get the bike upright. And I went, oh, this is what, (laughs) this is when people complain about a bike being too big for them and it's daunting. And I, and I, I was like, oh man, this sucks. Not being able to put a bike up front while on the kickstand. Yeah, and we had comms going. I mean, good yeah. Lord, we were talking the entire time, and one of the few times we separated was on that dirt road. I was in front of you, and you know, you don't have to get too far in those twisty canyons to lose communication, and that was one of the times you broke up, but then you did say, ah, you yelled. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't the I'm falling yell. It was a different yell, and then you said stuff flew off your bike. I'm like, okay, not a big deal, and and I know there's such a pain in the ass to turn around. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just going to park in the shady spot for a while, but I couldn't hear you. I, I had yeah. no idea what was going on. So, um, yeah, so I, I get a better understanding. Now, the way that I handled it um, I got off the bike and I could push it upright while I was standing off the bike because I had two feet on the downhill side, which was enough. But I didn't want to try and get on the bike while holding it up on this incline. So what I did was I went and found a rock. And all I did was stick this rock underneath the kickstand, got on the bike, and that was enough leverage. Just I'm talking like raised it up an inch. And that was the leverage I needed to get that bike up and keep going, which is just kind of embarrassing. But I realized, um, yeah, how daunting it is to lose the advantage of leverage from height 
uh, on a bike and how yeah. it's like, oh, this kind of sucks. And it, there was a one point where I'm like, this is sketchy trying to figure out how to navigate this bike and not fall over. So uh, I, I, now my heart goes out to all the short people out there. I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, shout out to amateur geology, I guess. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was a great ride. Um, we uh, stopped at Moto Talbot that was closed. We stopped at Emma's house that she wasn't home. And we stopped by Laguna Seca and they wouldn't let us in. So <laughs> I know. But they did. They did let us in in the Pinte. And uh, yeah. we did have a nice little lunch out on the patio there. That was nice, really, like very socially distanced. That was nice. I think the restaurant may have been different, but it was just, it was a good ride. But um, I wanted to talk about yet another adventure. Now I know uh, not everyone out there has yet seen Long Way Up. Has anyone else seen it, Randy? I think you said you've seen it. So yeah, it's it's playing on Apple. Apple TV. Uh, Apple TV. Yeah. So I was so pissed off. I haven't been able to see it because even though I've got like two smart TVs and like five Roku devices, none of them would get Apple. So I had to order yet another. Uh, I think I got like the fire stick or something. Um, but yep. now I got Apple TV and I was able to watch it. Um, but you can't binge watch them because you're only putting one out every Friday. Yeah. Right? So there's five episodes out right now and I watched them all. So, uh, let's just re recap. So for those who don't know, it's uh, Charlie Bor Borman and Ewan McGregor. First time they did Long Way Round, they rode around the world. Next one was Long Way Down, and they went from Scotland to the Cape of Africa. And this one, uh, and those were both on BMWs, um, which really was a big part of the adventure craze that we know today. It was a huge part seeing them do these adventures. Um, and on those, a lot of their... Um, Oh, challenges were a lot due to the roads and the going weather, you know, weather stuff like that. Um, on this one, they decided to ride electric. And I would have to say that first episode was the most fascinating to me because it went through the process of them deciding to ride electric. And they actually had some zero DSRs delivered uh, to to their house to try them out. But what they were figuring out is that the range on most electric motorcycles wasn't good enough to do a trip of this magnitude. Uh, so a couple things came into play, and this is where it gets kind of interesting. Um, so that's when Harley Davidson came in with the live wire and said that it has the best range out there. I think at the time they were saying, I think they said 120 miles a charge turns yeah. out to be closer to 90, which is actually getting a lot closer to what the zeros can do. But, um, what's cool is, uh, for those of us who've seen, and some of us have ridden the live wire, this is not an adventure bike. This is not something you would take off road. Oh, oh. Hmm. No, no. So what Harley Davidson did, and this was smart. You guys know about the new Pan America bike that's supposed to be coming out. Sure. They took the suspension, the front end and the rear from the new Pan America and threw it on the live wire. So they made an electric adventure bike. And then they, they did a similar thing. Claudio, his cam the cameraman, he's riding a Sportster that's also outfitted. So that's pretty cool to see the bikes that Harley created. And then um, the trucks that they're driving are a brand new 
a company called Rivian that are making these um, hardcore adventure trucks that are all electric. And this company was brand new when they signed on to support them. And they got serial number one and two straight out from, from the brand new factory for this. And not only that. The big problem, as we all know, with doing a big trip like this is finding places to charge. So Rivian, they went down to South America and set up charging stations along the entire route so that the trucks would have charging and the motorcycles uh, could possibly charge there too. But the whole thing is Charlie and Ewan are going off on their own a lot of the time and they'll go to a cafe or somebody's house and ask to plug in. And that's what a lot of the adventure is, but there it's fascinating to watch because what has really been the challenge is finding places to charge and learning that even it won't bikes won't charge when it's really cold. Right. Yeah. They could only maybe get 40, 50 miles range. Yeah. uh, Every night, if it was too cold, um, and uh, you know, I'm not uh, no spoiler alerts mm-hmm. here at all either. But uh, you know, it, it's it's one thing to plan a trip like that with regular gas-powered vehicles. Yeah. But to do this with electrics, uh, you know, and these are electrics that were, for the most part, I don't know how proven they were. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, this was a big thing for Harley Davidson. Uh, it was a big challenge for them. Uh, Rivian, another big challenge for mm-hmm. them. So uh, it was just amazing. And here's one thing that I'll, I'll say about Long Way Up. Um, uh, all of you here are motorcycle enthusiasts, but you do not have to be a motorcycle enthusiast to absolutely love uh, this documentary. Yeah. Uh, the, the cinematography is outstanding. Uh, the personal stories are outstanding. Uh, they still can't hold a candle to Peter's story. Though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I have to say, for me watching this, it felt like putting an old, comfortable blanket on. Like I immediately <laughs> slipped right back into... The same feeling I had watching the first two uh, series. So I'm really enjoying it. Part of that attraction of long way round, long way down, is just this chemistry between Ewan and Charlie. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just, they're such likable men. And they're both deeply flawed as well. It's a great human story. Um, and that's what's so compelling about it. So I, mm. I agree with you, Randy. You don't need to be into motorbikes. Just enjoy the scenery, enjoy you, and enjoy Charlie. Mm. And the, for us, bike people, the bikes are a bonus. Yeah. But it's the story that, that draws you in. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. do I think it's going to help them sell live wires? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you can't buy the bike that they're riding. Um, but it's fascinating and we are constantly reminded, even though, you know, we've been talking about electric for years. Um, but when you see this and you realize these still are, it's at the forefront and these are still the, the, what do you call the early adapters the people are going out there and, you know, setting up these charging stations and figuring out ways to, you know, to get, to get charges, to get electricity. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. I really recommend it if you don't have Apple TV. Um, there's enough enough other good programs on it. I think it's worth adding it uh, for what it costs. Um, but just to see this a long way up, uh, it's my recommendation. Okay. Yeah, do it. You'd love it. 
Right on. There you go. So, um, continuing with the vein of electric motorcycles, Emma, I mentioned this to you earlier. I, 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 I have no more information than anybody here. So, first off, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that is bringing up a concern for me, but I have no back information to back this up. So, don't, don't take anything out of this other than. We know from history, um, being friends with the guys at Alta Motorcycles, and we saw yes. when they made a deal with Harley Davidson. Yes. That they were going to help Harley Davidson with their electric yes. bikes. In return, they were going to get access to the tooling and yes. and production so they could produce yes. their bikes. And that they kind of got screwed out of the deal. Harley pulled out. They were left yes, yes, with, yes. with no way to do production, and they folded. Right. So there was an announcement earlier this week that just based on that is alarming me. I want to see if you guys are putting it together, too. Um, did you guys see the announcement that Zero and Polaris are teaming up? Oh, yeah. Yes. No, I did not see that. This is very interesting. Yeah. So well, uh, Zero is going to be helping them with uh, making electric like snowmobiles and the, the you know, the altering vehicles and stuff like that, that they're so good at making. So um, I, I just I'm so I'm so worried for no I'm reason. I'm not, and okay. I will tell you why. And this is, again, this is just my 10 cents. What we have to do is we have to look at history and history repeating itself. Now, you're worried that Polaris is going to do what Harley did to Alta to zero. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will. If you look back at Harley's history, they have got a history of screwing people over. They screwed over MV Augusta. They screwed over Alta. They've screwed over Eric Buell. Mm -hmm. There is actually tangible history there. It's part of... <laughs> the company's culture. Now, I'm not, I'm not getting into the bikes themselves. I've made my position very, very clear on Harleys themselves. I actually like them. And, but they're quite aggressive in the takeover department. So let's go to Polaris. Polaris have proven quite the opposite. They, they took over Brahmo and basically left them alone. They've taken over uh, Victory and basically left them alone. Um, I think, you know, bearing in mind that Zero is a far larger company mm -hmm. than Alta was, I think it's going to be a win, 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 win. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I want you to think about in, in a slightly bigger thing is Ford and Jaguar and General Motors and Saab. Yeah. So um, 30 years ago, Jaguar was up for sale. Ford wanted to buy them. General Motors wanted to buy them. And they were, there was a bidding war for Jaguar. In the end, Ford got them and they paid far too much. They paid three times what they should for Jaguar. But God bless them. What Ford did was they said, we're going to have a couple of Ford Jaguar products. And they, they came out with the S-Type, which was actually quite a good car, and the X-Type, which was a terrible car. But they said the big, the flagship sedan, the XJ, 
you carry on. We're not going to we're going to show you how to build them nicely, but you build them yourselves because you do that very well. Now, and so they basically left them alone with Ford money. General Motors, on the other hand, who were slightly more aggressive, were really pissed they didn't get Jaguar. So they bought Saab. And they basically said, you will build Saabs exactly how we tell you to. And Saab said, no, screw you guys. We're going to build them how we want. And so what do we find now? Saab is long gone. General Motors pulled the plug on them after a couple of years. And yet Jaguar are still here. They lasted through the Ford ownership and then they got sold on again. And so I think you're going to find that the Polaris Zero mergers going to be far more like Ford and Jaguar and less like the Harley Davidson Alta thing. What, I, what, I'm, what I'm hoping it is, is that uh, they're reaching out to Zero for the powertrain because Zero is already established how to make, you know, the batteries and, and, right, right, and the right, motor. Right, right. And Sam is a smart guy. We, we've had Sam on the show um, and that I, and we've heard from other companies that are buying the power plant to put their, put it in their vehicles from zero. I think uh, some like CDs so or it's, something. It's, do we know specifically if it's just strictly the power plant, the motors or the battery tank uh, or the, I don't IP know. I don't know. Or? I don't know. That's why I was like, ah, oh, I just, you know, when I see that, I'm like, Ooh, I hope it's okay. No, it's going to be fine. All right. Good. You know, Polaris do not have a history unless, you know. Well, Bramo. Yeah, but you know what? Bramo, I think that that bike mm -hmm. had been, as much as I like them, I think that bike had been developed as much as it was going to be developed. Because as fun as it was and as cool as it was, it was kind of hokey. Um it had a manual transmission. It had that weird snowmobile transmission in it when neutral is kind of between second and third. It had a lot of backlash in, in the valve train, uh, in the um, drive train. It was, it, was, it was pretty much a dead end. And I think that Polaris weren't really sure how to market it. I mean, you remember... Didn't you go to a Polaris event? Nobody knew anything about it. It's like, oh, the electric bike. We don't know anything about this. Liza. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, no, I'm 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 hopeful. I think they're going to do it right. I think it's going to be good for Polaris, and I think it's going to be really good for Zero. I hope so. Um, I like both companies. Why don't we get Sam down here again? Talk about it. Well, let's see, let's see. It's just a brand new announcement, so we'll see how it goes. Um. But, yeah, I hope it works out. If it does, that means it's even better for Zero. It gives them another source to sell their motors and batteries. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also bringing more of the electric to the world even faster. So I, right. I hope so. Um, hey, guys, I got some emails, and uh, I think this one might strike home for uh, our, our friends with us, uh, Peter and Randy. This one is from listener Ethan, and it's called Vintage Two Hello, Strokes. Ethan. He says, hello from Portland. Did you hear that bagel? 
Uh, I've been listening to the podcast for the last six months and love you all. Thanks for keeping it real and helping me get through these crazy days. I've drawn so much inspiration and a sense of community from the garage. And thanks to your Moto 6 positive attitude, I finally got the courage to dive into one of my deepest fantasies, a vintage two-stroke. I picked oh, up good oh he, nice. he picked oh, up man. a 1974 TY250 which being a vintage two stroke a trials bike and street legal just seemed too good to be true it runs but having only experience with four stroke bikes i'm sort of lost on what to do first in terms of maintenance and tuning up, what should I do to make sure I don't fuck anything up? Change oil, spark plug, clean air filter, what else? I have no valves to adjust, so is that Why? it? Thanks so much. And keep it real. And he says, P.S., I love you, Miss Emma, and your oh, mystery history hole. Once I love... I yeah. love you too. If I love you too, darling, if I wasn't married to motorcycles, I'd marry you tomorrow, <laughs> darling. He um, says, uh, one suggestion for a possible... <laughs> one suggestion for a possible topic. We all know how dominant Japanese bikes have been in the history of motorcycling, especially in the 50s and 60s on, but why is that? We know the names of racers and daredevils and the visible people of motorcycling, but what about all the incredibly talented Japanese engineers who've been designing bikes for the whole world over who are they and why are they or were they so damn good well i we can answer we can answer the question about why japanese bikes were so popular simply by revisiting peter's story yeah in 1966 he could buy a twin cylinder 100cc bike with an electric start that was capable enough to get him across a continent. Now, everybody here knows my heart is with British bikes, but if he'd have set out on a Tiger Cub, I don't think he'd have got much further than the next town. <laughs> oh, those British electrics are the worst. You know? So, I mean, that put it into perspective. And mm. the Japanese manufacturers have never been shy about allowing young designers the opportunity to actually put out products. When we look at the designer of the CBX, at the designer of Comstar Wheels, I'm sure at the designer of the YL1, I think the common denominator we will find is they are relatively young. I know for a fact that when the, the CBX rolled off the, the design board, the designer was 31 years old, and that is young. Conversely, at BSA and Triumph, all the guys in the design shop, and remember I were there, were in their 50s. So I think, you know, it's this thought that young people are able to actually come up with these innovative ideas, put them on paper and give them a voice within the company. That's why they were so successful. Well, part of the reason. You're supposed to be saving this for a history. Hole, a, there's your history. Hole, it's done. <laughs> ask, ask and ye shall receive. <laughs> No, but I mean, what, I, 
but how about really answer his question to the minutest detail? How about that's, that's a basic answer to the question? Well, the question was, what does he need to do to this vintage two-stroke he just bought? Well, unfortunately, there's there's always problems with bikes. There's always problems, and the problem area with vintage two-strokes, especially ones that have been sitting for a long time are the crank seals. Yeah. Now, as we know, a two-stroke works differently to a four-stroke. A four-stroke, the combustion all happens above the cylinder head. It's not so in a two-stroke. The actual combustible gases are sucked in underneath the piston and then pushed up either side of the piston through these things called transfer ports and then end up above the head where all the... <clears throat> squeezing and banging can go on um so on either side of the the crank bearings are these seals and they, they have to be vital it's vital that they're in good condition and i'm quite sure that a 1974 ty250 has got seals that are probably the consistency of concrete and he's gonna have to change them now Depending on the design, and I'm pretty sure that the TY, the outboard of the main bearings, he's got to take the generator apart on the left, and he can flip out the seal and, and press the new one in. But on the right side, I think he's got to take the clutch and the primary gear off to change that seal. Um, you can give it a whirl, but you're going to need new crank seals. So and, you can do it all with the engine in. And also another tip to keep in mind is to avoid ethanol, ethanolated gas like the plague in a vintage two-stroke because it will eat away those seals very quickly right. and then you'll be facing doing another engine teardown. Well, it's all about the crank seals, darling. I was actually yep. going to use uh, Peter's method. I think the best way to sort it out is to get on and ride to California and things will, will reveal itself along the way. <laughs> Oh, Those are the things you need to fix. <laughs> bring bring your garage with you. Just uh, don't wear uh, it's sandals. Got, it's got a toolkit. That's all you need. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. Good. So all right, we got just two more emails. Uh, Jim, are you able to stick with us or you got to go? Uh, actually, I'm going to bounce. I got some right. seafood arriving again, Ooh. believe it or not. Anyway, nice. that was a great podcast. Super fun. Cool story. All right. Enjoy your right. seafood. Ciao, Jim. Ciao. Nice meeting you. Later. All right. Bye. Same here. All right. Jim is the only living soul on the planet who has seen the trident apart from me, and his eyes got really big when he saw it. Not only that, not only that, but I got to hear its roar. And I think if another nickname for Miss Emma would be Emma Emma once one kick. He started that thing one kick. Boom, it fired right up. And I could see myself in the side case from across the garage. Nice. Oh yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for all the kind things you said about it. And um you'll take it all back when you see the color, but for now. <laughs> all right. Ciao ciao. All right, ciao, see you, Jim. Jim. Oh, all right. Uh this next one, this one is from Rob in South Dakota. Hello, Rob. And he says, I got a question for Emma. I find Hello, darling. He says, I find myself perusing Craigslist late into the evening recently. Oh, God help you. And I found this ad for a very rare 
stretched busa. Just buy it. He said, normally, I think I wouldn't even give it a second glance, but as I'm on the gin this evening, I hear a phantom voice with a British accent say, stretch busa, baby. (laughs) Yeah, baby, yes. Says, do I need this in my life? Dare I pass it up? I decided to email you guys instead of the seller just for some last-minute advice. I'm selling one of my three bikes since I was redundant on dirt bikes, but surely... Is is this the replacement? What does one even do with a stretched busa? I can't imagine it's practice or that it's even so, legal. So what do you guys so, think? Should so, he get it? Rob, what you're going to have to do is, um, oh, he's got a dog as well. <laughs> See if you can get the dog. <laughs> um, so the biggest expenditure with your stretch busa is you have to allow two to three hundred dollars for new trousers because <laughs> when you buy that bike your trousers won't fit anymore because your manhood <clears throat> will swell to such enormous proportions you'll have to buy the next size up in trousers so make sure you budget for that um, also the uh, the adult diapers need to fit somewhere yeah. too just in case right. you, know, um, you know you you really just have to resign yourself um I don't know what part of South Carolina you live in, but you will become something of a village celebrity. So, you know, Rob, be prepared for women taking off all their clothes and throwing themselves at your feet and just gazing into your eyes adoringly. And, and um, he's in South Dakota. This is this is big oh, twin South country. Dakota. Big twin country. Oh. You are going to stand out and you are going to be the envy of Sturgis. Well, and. And this is also the perfect bike to go really fast, really straight. So, <laughs> oh, is it? There you go. Uh, the only thing missing from it, and it may already have it fitted, but it's a daytime shot. Um, make sure you get some blue neon under that as well. <laughs> yes. You need that nice neon underglow. <laughs> yes. But uh, my advice to you, Rob, um, make the guy an offer for it and see if he'll throw in the dog as well. <laughs> you know, get the, get the bike and the dog. Oh, you slay me. All right. Got time for one more email. <laughs> and this is from our friend Steve. He says, hey, Misfits. Steve. Uh, Steve here. I'm a professional motorcycle mechanic and also the owner of Surf and Summit Motorcycle, small motorcycle rental company near Portland, Maine. He's written into oh, us before. Good-o. Hey, Steve. He says, I'm a huge fan of the Misfits. I started listening four or five episodes before Norman Reedus, and I'm happy to be a Patreon supporter. I'm happy about that, too. He says, my, yeah. my prized possession in life is the Miss Emma motosexual photo that is autographed by the Misfits. My wife arranged it as a Christmas present, and it was easily my favorite present of the year. He's got it up in the shop. Says, I want to give a shout-out and thanks to (laughs) Heather, who back in March sent in my company and the other company I work for, Street Cycles, as a great local motorcycle companies in Maine. He says, imagine my surprise. I was at my non-motorcycle-related winter job, minding my own business, getting caught up on the misfits, and suddenly they're saying hi to me. It made my whole week. Thanks for highlighting small businesses and shops like mine. I appreciate all that you do to get new riders into our sport and want to share my small contribution. Whenever I'm riding in town and see small children, I give them a hearty wave. I can see their faces light up, and I know they are making a positive connection 
connection to bikes. The glares from the moms are pretty satisfying, too. Right on. He says, I enjoyed the recent episode about beautiful bikes and spent a lot of time pausing and Google imaging uh, during that episode as an employee in a BMW shop. I agree with Liza 100% that the R1200C is the ugliest bike ever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh, He says, I heard recently that the garage has a manual tire changer. I have a Harbor Freight style one at home. I added Mojo blocks and a Mojo lever to mine. It took the changer from a janky POS to something almost as easy to use as the nice machine I use at the shop. They're expensive, but totally worth it. Thanks for the tip. Uh, I look forward someday to spending a Sunday offering assistance at the Recycle Garage or who knows. Oh, we would so love to have you. Or who knows, maybe putting some chairs out in front of my own garage. Thanks to all the misfits for all you do to support our sport and for allowing us to live vicariously through you. P.S. Don't fuck knock, at least not without dinner and a movie first. That's right. That's right. There are rules and etiquette to this. He is not a cheap date. I thought that was a good email to go out on. So yeah, surf on um, summit motorcycle in Portland, Maine. Um, and I would like to give a final shout out to um a package we got mm-hmm. from Josh yes. in Austin. Yes, and um, Josh is a longtime listener. Um, I've sent him stuff in the past, and he sent us a book, and it is a children's book, wonderful book, and it is called Night Job by Karen Hess, beautifully illustrated. Does this involve an alley, at a uh, back alley at all? No, it does not. Oh, okay. But Sorry, it, wrong thing. It, it's quite a charming story about a, a man who's a night janitor at a school. And he takes his young son with him and they go to work and back on a motorcycle. So it's kind of loosely motorcycle related, but it's just a nice book. And dovetailing in, you know, it paints motorcycle, motorcyclists and motorcycles in a really good light, which is always great. Because if you can start kids thinking off that bikes are cool, people who ride bikes are cool, you know, that can stay with them for life. It certainly stayed with me for life. So, um, Josh, thank you so much for sending us that book. And uh, Karen Hess, thanks for writing such a good book. Um, I'm going to send him some Miss Emma Give It The Beans faces. (laughs) Still got a couple of them left. Nice. And I think you got some more. Uh, you got a bunch of envelopes here you, you need to take home. Put some stickers yeah, in there. Yeah, actually, I do. So I, I need to get up on, on top of that. So um, and anybody who writes in for the Ask Miss Emma, just thanks for being patient with me. Um, I do get around to them. But, you know, sometimes I get around to them very quickly. Sometimes I get around to them very slowly. But I do get around to them. Nice. Um, and I just wanted to throw another tease out there. You know how I love doing this, right? Um, we've got some really cool interviews coming up. I mean, uh, Peter, your story was so amazing. And we loved hearing it. Oh, it's it. brilliant. Um, and I've got some more. And I just uh, recently booked an uh, interview in a couple weeks. And this is, you know, we did the Debbie Evans. She was top of my list. Well, there was somebody in the number two position who's been there for years who I just booked. And um, I'm just going to throw out a little hint. 
that this person had a toy made in their likeness. Ooh. So you know you have to be pretty cool for a company to make a toy in your likeness. So a uh, person or a bike that they made? The person. Wow. And the bike. Hmm. Mm. Are you getting G.I. Joe on the podcast? I <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So, uh, yeah, I've been having fun. But I wanted to also give a big thanks to Randy for uh, bringing this story and Peter to us. Right. Randy, thanks so much. Um, I love how it all ties together all these years later and that this is a story that stuck with you since you were a kid. Oh. And uh, so that is just a really cool story right there. So yeah, yeah thank I, you. I can honestly say that at the time the, the Yamaha Twin Jet 100 was my up the butt bike. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Now you got to got to what's your next bike? What's the next uh If I were to pick a new up the butt bike, I'm really, you know, am, am I know I, I have a special place in your heart because I'm a huge Triumph fan. I'm on one of my third Third Triumphs now. I've got a Triumph Trophy SE. Oh, yes. What a lovely bike. Oh, that yeah, that thing is awesome. Uh, but what I would like is a modern classic Triumph T120 Bonneville. Mm -hmm. But I would uh, paint it to look identical to a 1966 Triumph TR6 RS with a Pacific blue over Alaskan white. Yes. And um, and and chrome plate the headlight in a cell, and uh, yeah, make it look like uh, like a proper '60s uh, Triumph Bonneville. And you know, they're such great engines. Oh, oh. my God, they they're just they they are wonderful bikes. Um, yeah, there's something there's something very special about British bikes, um, and I'm really. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something very, very special about them just by existing. I just picked this up by Ian Falloon, historian. Classic and modern Triumph motorcycles. It is a huge coffee table book. Nice. And uh, everything, and the photography is awesome. So if you're into Triumphs, uh, you, uh, get it, you know. Uh, Randy. Are you yeah. a motosexual? I think he um, is. I think he is. I might be. <laughs> <laughs> He's a closet motosexual. It's okay. We all are. All right. Yeah. So that, yeah, if you're looking for some good reading uh, with the uh, upcoming uh, colder winter months, mm -hmm. if you can't write, grab a grab a cool book like that oh god we're in california darling we ride all year i know i used to live in orange county la and orange county i rode all year we yeah. ride as long as it's not too smoky yes right yeah 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 i had somebody say hey i went through through a great ride in the smoky mountains i said so did i <laughs> Except our, our, our Smoky Mountains aren't, aren't that literally <laughs> Smoky Mountains. <laughs> no, I know. Well, um, hey, thank you again, Randy and Peter, for joining us. Um, what a great story! And and you know, if uh, listeners out there, if you know of another great story, we love it. 
Send me an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Let me know what it is. And uh, even if we don't put it on uh, the show, I still love learning about these. Uh, yeah, I send I have a lot of people send us links. And uh, there's one that was sent to us today that I'm looking into about a couple guys who went around the world in a scooter with a sidecar. Do you know this, Bagel? No, I don't think I've heard uh, of it. Yeah, I'll send you the link. I'm looking into this now. Uh, oh, that sounds like a, a, another crazy trip. We love crazy yeah. people. So, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you guys very much. Thank you to all the listeners and especially our Patreon subscribers. And also, don't forget, if you would like to buy a Motorcycles and Misfits shirt, I do have them. You can just send a PayPal payment, $25, to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. That'll get it shipped to you anywhere in the U.S. And if you're one of our friends from uh, up in the land of Canada or another country, just send me an email uh, with your address, and I will get a proper quote for you on that. Um, Bagel, are we going to be doing all these Zoom calls with you from Oregon now, or are you still coming back? No, I'll be back uh, in California uh, next. I should be back next weekend. <clears throat> Did you go up there just so you could show off your shop? Yes. And the urinal? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually came up to bring the first load of stuff and my car up here and uh, take care of some things. So, uh, but I'll be just uh, just up here for the week and I'll, then I'll be back for uh, probably the rest of the month. Nice. Well, and if you guys get south of the border in the wintertime, come down and visit Peter and I in Manzanillo. Just look for the guy dressed like Santa Claus. That's it, right? That's you know that yeah, sounds the, a little creepy a lot to me. Longer than. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, you guys. Um, I think we're ready to wrap up. Um, this is just you know, Randy and Peter. This is where we're going to say our names and we're going to get out of here. So I will start. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. This is Doc. Emma Darling. <laughs> this is Peter. Randy. Thank you very much. It was enjoyable. <laughs> and Randy. And Randy. This is Mike. Oh, Mikey! Yeah, no one even knew that Mike joined us like halfway through. He's just been so fired. <laughs> it is Treehouse. <laughs> I know. Did we get everyone? I think, I so. think so. All right. Thanks, everyone. We are out of here. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh. oh. oh.